0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Nonprofit and Charity Fundraising Podcast put on by CrowdCrux.com. I'm Sal Brigman, or Salvador. I am your host for the show. And on this show, we talk about how to raise money online um, for a cause, for a charity, for your nonprofit organization. We'll talk about crowdfunding, peer-to-peer fundraising, using social media to drive awareness to causes. Pretty much a lot of different things that I would say are very relevant to you if you're trying to cope with this new fundraising arena that is emerging. More and more donors are social media savvy, more people are using Facebook to keep up with their friends, seeing what campaigns that their friends are running um, or are are pledging to, and uh, we, we talk about how to really cope with this new fundraising arena. And in this episode in particular, I've interviewed Sabrina who is the National Marketing Director of raisehope.org, an online fundraising platform. And she's helped a lot of creators, and uh, their organization has helped a lot of uh, fundraisers raise money for causes that they care about. And she's gonna talk about some of the common tips that they provide, some of the common mistakes, and also how their fundraising platform differs from some of the other ones out there, like GoFundMe, Indiegogo Life, Um, There's a a whole slew out there that you can take advantage of if you're a nonprofit. So we're also going to dive into that as well. Please take a second to rate this podcast on iTunes. It helps more people see the show. And if you'd like to contact me directly, you can hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at Sbrigman, S-B-R-I-G-G-M-A-N. That all being said, let's get right to this interview I have scheduled with Sabrina. It's coming up right after this. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nonprofit and Charity Fundraising Podcast. Today I have a really interesting interview with Sabrina, who is the National Marketing Director of RaiseHope.org. You may or may not have heard of them. They're an online fundraising platform, not just for personal fundraisers, but also for nonprofits, and they're based out of Canada. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what goes into a successful Personal fundraising campaign. What they've learned about nonprofit fundraising campaigns, and also just get an idea of how they compare to other platforms out there. Thanks so much for coming on, Sabrina. Excited about this.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Definitely. So I'd love to dive into things here. You know, we, we've seen a lot of different platforms out there: uh, GoFundMe, Indiegogo, Life. Some of these other online fundraising platforms. How do you guys compare to some of these platforms that are out there?
1: Yeah, so raisehope.org, we've sort of taken the best of a bunch of different platforms and and sort of brought them all into one. So on our platform, you can crowdfund um, very similarly to Indiegogo or Fundraiser, um, but we've added a bunch of uh, new features to our site that is sort of what we call charity-friendly. Um, so, uh, we allow people to add perks to their campaign. I believe that's something that you can't do on GoFundMe. Um, and we've also um, added an automated e tax receding ability for, for charities. Obviously, that, that doesn't apply to the nonprofits or the personal fundraising. We also have added something that we call a perk marketplace. So, you know, with the other platforms, with Kickstarter and with Indiegogo, if you're launching a new business, Those campaigns tend to naturally lend themselves to cool perks. Um, But we were sort of finding that the nonprofits and the charities were having a tough time with perks. Not all of them, but a lot of them sort of didn't have stuff to give away. So, of course, we always encourage the charities to add their own perks. It definitely adds some personality and charm to their character, uh, to their campaign, personality and character to their campaign. Um, But... Sometimes people don't want some of those things that they're offering. So we have a perk marketplace. So the contributor can choose from anything in the marketplace um, and when they're contributing to a charity campaign.
0: So I'd love to hone in on that aspect. I think that, guys, you know, that makes you guys really unique. And yeah, exactly like you said, it's really difficult to come up with reward ideas. Some of them I do think it plays a role in developing a relationship with your donor base, But um, I've been browsing through your marketplace here. Maybe for people that are listening, you can give an idea of, uh, you know, a few examples of what might be in this perk marketplace that they can choose from.
1: Sure. Yeah. And so so for sure, we always encourage the charities to add um, or the nonprofits or anybody to add personal perks. And a lot of times we encourage them to add things that are sort of experience-based so it doesn't cost them a lot of money and it exactly, you know, starts building a relationship. So donors on our site can give in three ways. They can give cash, they can choose a user perk, or they can choose a perk from the marketplace. And all of our perks uh, come in the form of e-gift cards for national brands. So we have things like Starbucks and iTunes, um, anything from uh, various restaurants. So it's essentially sort of a way to uh, appeal to the masses. I really like
0: that, and I'm, I'm also looking through your perks here. Some of them are also food related. Like you give $25 and you get $10 to Swiss uh, Chalet or Kelsey's, so you mm-hmm. can just not just like fill up your heart. From giving to a campaign, you can also fill up your stomach, which is great. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, that.
1: Exactly, and there's also things for retail, like clothing, um, children's clothing, women's, men's clothing. Um, we really tried to f- put things in the marketplace that sort of appeal to a wide variety of people, um, because it's tough, you know, to come up with perks that sort of appeal to everybody. And so, if somebody doesn't want to, it doesn't want one of the perks that the campaigners is offering, they can choose from here, and it's sort of a safety net for the crowdfunders.
0: So let's take the Starbucks coffee gift card in this example. You know, I'm a donor. I give $15. I get this $5 gift card. I think that's very straightforward. On the, the nonprofit or the individual who's doing the fundraising campaign, how does that break down look? Do they get the, the full $15? Do they – is that um, part of that go towards, you know, Starbucks or the cost for the gift card? How does that work?
1: Yes. So usually the, the, the perks are um, – so the, the give amount is usually set, and it's usually more than, a, than that ratio that you mentioned. So let's say it was a, a give $20 and get a $10 Starbucks, I car, uh, Starbucks gift card. Mm-hmm. We streamlined the cost of the perks to be 42.5%. So that automatically comes out, and we distribute all of the perks for the crowd funders. So we take care of all the distribution of the marketplace perks.
0: Okay, that's great. And, and also- So across
1: the board, the cost of the perk is 42.5%. I see. And the remainder goes to the, yeah, the remainder goes to the crowdfunder.
0: I do think that takes a lot of the hassle out of the, um, not just the delivery, but the fact that, you know, If you're going to be offering a perk anyways, you're going to have to, it's going to be some kind of cost related to that. Whether that's cool swag, like, I don't know, a sweatshirt or a tote bag, um, there's going to be always a cost related to the perk. So it makes sense. Exactly,
1: And usually it's more than that. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, when people are doing shirts, they're maybe making 20%. And in this case, you're making the remainder of that. So it's almost, it's more than 50.
0: Now, I I have another uh, point I'd like to make here. So your fee structure how does this compare to, say, Indiegogo or GoFundMe?
1: So we have um, we are 5% raise hope fee, um, and that's for fixed campaigns or flexible campaigns. Um, we do allow charities, anyone can choose from either of the models, although we do find that most charities like the flexible funding because it's the keep what you raise model. Um, so we're 5% across the board, and there's no penalty for not reaching your goal. In other words, it's the same percentage.
0: And so when you say flexible funding, you're referring to that if someone raises you know, they set a goal of $10,000 and they raise $7,000, they can still keep that money.
1: Exactly. So a lot of the charities, if they set a goal amount of $10,000 and they only raise seven, of course they want to keep that money. There are circumstances, though, where people would prefer the fixed funding model where if you're raising $10,000, you need to reach your goal amount in order to receive the funds. Um, this helps when if somebody is offering perks that are directly tied to the amount of money that they raise. Let's say you're trying to raise $10,000 Um, to build a playground, let's say, and you only raise $500 and some of your perks had to do with production and stuff, you wouldn't want to have to fulfill those perks. And in that case, all the money goes back to the funders and you don't have to fulfill any perks. Um, But we, as I said, we do find that most of the charities and the nonprofits uh, prefer the flexible funding model.
0: Okay, I see. So with the fixed model, you really want to make sure that you can fulfill those perks that you're promising your backers, your donors, these people giving money to your campaign. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let's say you're offering up t shirts, but your cost per t shirt, uh, you know, if you wanted to raise a certain amount of money, your cost per t shirt would have been $10, but you've only raised a third of that, meaning you can't order as many t shirts. And now, you know, the cost per t-shirt is a lot higher. This just sort of saves you from having to fulfill those and ending up, you know, being in trouble with those perks. And the fixed funding model is, you know, the Kickstarter model essentially.
0: I see. Okay. That gives me a really good overview of, of your platform here. Now I, I'd love to hear your you know your guys' take from doing all of these um, hosting all of these personal fundraising campaigns from I know you always also offer free consulting via phone and email, which is awesome. What are some of the common mistakes? Let's say the top three common mistakes that you see with your uh, people that are raising money on your platform.
1: Yeah you know a lot of it has to do with just general misconceptions and I think that you know the longer crowdfunding is around um, the more and the more educated people um, become about how it works best I think we're going to see some of these go away but you know a lot of them is uh, I guess the biggest misconception is um, you know with crowdfunding you need to bring your own crowd people think that you know you sort of put a campaign up there and you leave it and there's people scouring the internet with bags of money waiting to donate to you and that's just not the case. Um, So crowdfunding is work. You need to uh, bring your own crowd. You need to do a lot of the planning up front. You need to share your campaign um, and you need to have a plan to market it throughout the duration of it. So from the beginning to the middle to the end, you can't just put up a campaign and leave it.
0: Now, when you talk about marketing, would you offer or would you suggest a different marketing strategy for? A nonprofit, a charity organization versus a personal fundraising campaign, or would it be the same kind of marketing strategy?
1: Well, I think it depends on who your network is. And, and so for a charity or nonprofit, you definitely want to be marketing your campaign uh, to your network. And I think it just differs with a personal campaign, whereas your network is really your friends and family. So charities also have friends and family in there, but they also have their donor base uh, and their, you know, their partners and things like that. So I think it's just more about um, who's going to be getting that message.
0: Okay, Um,
1: But for, for charities, we always like to tell them, you know, crowdfunding is best used when it's initiative based. So instead of saying, you know, we're this charity and we need money all the time for everything, it's better to say we're this charity. This is the initiative that we're trying to fund and then craft messaging around that specifically.
0: Can you talk to me about that a little bit? I know you guys offer a program where charities be- can partner with your platform, where not just the charity but also their donor base can raise money for different causes. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that that program that you offer.
1: Sure. Yeah. So we've started a a, a partner charity program where we allow charities to create their own profile page on our site. Um, and this then becomes a nice launch pad for their supporters to raise uh, money on their behalf, so to launch campaigns on their behalf. Um, you know, engaging the third, the third party crowdfunding, I think, is important for charities. You know, usually if I'm a supporter of a charity, I have to rate, you know, wait for that you know, the annual walk or the, the gala event that I want to go to, or, you know, the traditional methods of the bake sale. Um, those were sort of the only ways in the past that I could, you know, contribute and support to uh, support the charity. Uh, but now you can create a campaign uh, at any time, and it can be a reflection of somebody's personality. So, for example, if I'm a... Uh, if I'm a graphic designer, you know, I can be offering up, I'll, you know, donate a hundred dollars and I'll design a logo for you. You know, you can be offering up services or even we actually did a, um, uh, a program with giving Tuesday. I know you guys have giving Tuesday on the States as well. Mm-hmm. Where We were encouraging people to use acts of kindness to raise money for charities. So, you know, imagine you're creating a campaign. You say, you know, I want to raise $1,000 for uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation or breast cancer, and you're offering up acts of kindness as your perks. You know, donate $20, and I'll buy somebody a line of coffee today. Or, you know, donate 15 bucks and I'll donate a pair of jeans to uh, the local shelter. So um, I think there's lots of ways that people now can crowdfund in support of a charity. It's great.
0: I really, I really love that aspect. You know, you're just putting like more good into the world. And it's not always, I think, a financial donation that makes a difference in someone's life. It can also be doing good for others and having someone sponsor that. Uh, Donating your time or your skills. I think those are really overlooked. Um, items when it comes to charity fundraising like or the ice bucket challenge seeing your friend pour ice water on them you know some people might offer outrageous and funny kind of things that they can do if you donate to a charity
1: yeah. So, for ex- the good example of that is, we had somebody um, use our platform to raise money for Movember. So, um, one of his perks was uh, donate two hundred and fifty bucks. I think was the price point, and I'll I'll dye my mustache pink. I'll dye my mo pink for a day. And I think he had like five or six people <laughs> contribute <laughs> that because all of his buddies wanted to see him walk around, you know, with a pink mustache. So, you know, That's crowdfunding great. allows you to do that, right? You can And you can inject some personality into some of the old ways of doing things.
0: That's really great. And uh, I was actually, I was talking with Rose Spinelli about this as well. Um, I know she's also featured on your uh, How to Crowdfund, I believe, that, that domain. Yes, yeah. Um, and we were talking about how in the old school model of things, you know, fundraising and charity fundraising fundraising you know online giving it was really a sort of negative image centered around it you know a depressing uh i don't know um image with you know dog like a kennel if they're giving to like an animal shelter or something like that it's really just it's saddening but this new i love this fundraising medium it allows people to have fun with giving you know it's just not about um, always the cause. It's also about the fun that you're having in your social network and interacting with people, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the same sort of mentality, you know, when you're creating, when you're running that annual gala, right? You still want people to want to come to your event every year. You know, you have to make it fun. If it's a chore for people, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a hurdle. If you make it fun and allow people to sort of uh, take the model and mold it to what works for them, I think they're going to pick it up and do it more often.
0: And now, this is part of the sort of. I wrote about this article um, of this new online giving revolution that's happening in peer to peer fundraising and personal fundraising. Are you seeing more traction or more successful campaigns that use peer to peer fundraising or more successful campaigns that are using more of the traditional crowdfunding kind of model?
1: I think it totally depends. For sure, charities seem to be a little bit behind in adopting a new model. I think that comes from a variety of things. Either they're such a large charity that there's so much red tape to start new initiatives or the opposite being they're so small and they're so strapped for um, for uh, people's time and for people who are, you know, everyone's so busy working on their mission that they don't have time to pick up other things. So I think that depends. I would like to see charities embrace uh, online giving uh, more, um, you know, the peer to peer fundraising people a lot of times are doing that when they're running for uh, you know the annual walk. Um, you know, they're sending out and people can donate online. There is some success with that, but again, that's sort of being done. And I think um, I know that you know, especially during um, you know charity marathon season, I see my Facebook stream and there's people asking people to give all the time. And I think crowdfunding just sort of adds a fresh approach to that.
0: I definitely have to agree there. And I think with your platform, you've definitely integrated a lot of key components, whether that's a free press release, giving people the software there to raise money, helping them on the consulting end for free, a lot of great attributes to your platform. But the one thing I was a little bit skeptical of, and that might just be from reading reviews online and Um, the forum that we run, but your Fiverr crowdfunding services. How uh, effective are those? And do you recommend those to people that are doing fundraising campaigns?
1: So I know on Fiverr they offer up a lot of things. The ones that we sort of encourage people to use are the ones that help them with the with the campaign creation parts of it. So if you need a video done, for example, uh, we have our main video was done on Fiverr. Um, So if you need to create a logo, if you need to design T-shirts, I think in that sense, the Fiverr things make a lot of sense. Um, When it comes to spreading the word, I think you really need to spread the word with people that want to hear it. So if you're just using Fiverr to help you, you know, share your campaign, it might fall on deaf ears, so I think in that sense, it's best to do your homework, build your network, and share your campaign with people that are going to care about it. Um, but when it comes to creating logos and T-shirts and videos, I think Fiverr is a great option.
0: That's a, that's a very good distinction, and also one that I have to underscore as well. Um, I think that's I think that's a great. Um, if I was going to recommend to Fiverr, the thing that it's really good at, and the things that I would stay away from, that's that's a great answer.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so I, I would also love to hear. Um, When you are doing these consulting calls with uh, nonprofits, charities, personal fundraisers on your platform, what would you say are the top two questions that you get and maybe the tips that you give to these individuals?
1: Yeah, so a lot of times the charities, when they don't have perks, they just don't put anything in, so we sort of come to the idea, come to the table with idea generation, and then once we start getting into it, they realize that they do have things to offer, and you have to be creative with it, so, you know, maybe starting a, a wall of thanks uh, in your offices, or, I mean, it, we really try to cater our suggestions to what the charity is specifically, um, but, you know, being creative with your perks and thinking about things um, that are experience-based so they don't cost you anything. I think that's one thing that uh, charities always overlook is that they do have things to offer even though they might not have stuff, tangible stuff. Very true. Um, the other thing is is really crafting a story around uh, around your initiative. So a lot of times we just see them put up a page saying that, you know, as I mentioned before, we're this charity and we need money for all these things, really sort of pinpointing something specifically that you need to raise money for and crafting a story around that. I think actually a good example of that is we had a, a charity, I think it was just last week, um, that did a really good job of, they actually took everything we said and, and executed it so well they raised well actually they raised 200 and i think 12 percent of their goal in 48 hours wow congrats! so they you know one of the things was they let people know that their campaign was coming in advance you know don't just pop it up there you have to you know sort of prime your network um, and let them know that it's coming they had a team of people that worked on the campaign together so they were all sharing it somebody was in charge of social media someone was in charge of uh, creating images to share throughout the campaign. They were doing things like setting benchmarks. So saying, wow, guys, we reached 50% of our goal. Sometimes they were financial benchmarks. Sometimes they were donor-based. So, hey, guys, we we have 90 unique donors. Let's get to 100. Um, you know, doing the countdown, five hours left, one hour left. Can we share it all one more time? Um, you know, things like that. So they did a really great job. And, yeah, they raised uh, 212% of their goal. It was a small goal. It was only $5,000. But they ended up reaching, I think, $10,500. And they were a a camp. And they wanted to install a ropes obstacle course at their camp this summer. So, again, they're a charity. They they could just raise money for the camp, but they chose something specifically. Um, They put up images of the ropes course. And they... Their perks were things, you know, like uh, fifty dollars gets us another three feet of rope, or you know, uh, seventy-five dollars gets us a chest harness. I'm not sure those are the correct price points, but yep. um, but they did a really great job.
0: Those are all really great tips, and uh, I, I definitely think that that component of making sure that you engage your backers throughout the entire duration of the fundraising uh, campaign just—it's—we're starved for attention nowadays. You know, we have so many social media updates. We have now using Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. There's so much information and people that want to be relevant in our daily lives. And just reminding people even uh, every once in a while, I think that you're running a campaign and you've made it this far, it can encourage people to share. And I think that's really what you need to be doing.
1: Um, Exactly. People have so many things going on. So just because you share it once um, doesn't mean that they're going to pick it up and share it. And I mean, you don't want to be annoying by any uh, stretch, but... You know, reminding people and letting people know that uh, there's traction and that you know that the campaign's moving along, and you know people want to see you be successful in the end.
0: Very true. Now, if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm looking to run a nonprofit or a personal fundraising campaign, and I really want a blueprint. You know, I want someone that I can, a campaign I can look at, I can analyze and see what they did. Are there any, you know, one or two campaigns that stand out on Raise Hope I should check out? Or is there a section that I should go to, to to look for those kind of campaigns?
1: So we have a section on our uh, crowdfunding list page that's called Rockstar Campaigns. So that's a good place to start. We are going to be adding um, some case studies to our, to our platform so people can see. Um, although you can look at the campaigns, it's tough to sort of see what they did through social media and sort of create that timeline. So um, stay tuned for some, some case studies coming up of great campaigns for a variety of different causes and different um, fundraising goal levels. And so you can sort of take a look at what they did and uh, maybe get some pointers from there.
0: Awesome. Now, the, the one point we did not talk about about your campaign are event tickets and in-person fundraising. Um, are you guys offering that at all on your platform? Is that something that you're going to be doing more in the future? Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, so we did add an event ticket component to our platform. So you would create when you're creating your campaign, it says add a perk or add a ticket perk. We did this because we saw that people were using crowdfunding for events, and some of their events were, you know, some of their perks rather were give $25 and get a, you know, get a ticket to this event um, or give $50 and get a VIP ticket to this event. So we thought by creating these ticket perks, people can then actually print the ticket and bring it to the door. So it just sort of allows you to use crowdfunding for a variety of things. And then if people can't make it to the event, they can also still contribute to the campaign.
0: That's great. Def- a lot of resources that people can take advantage of when they're going through a fundraising campaign on your platform, I definitely definitely think that's the case. Yeah, um, we've,
1: we've been listening to sort of what people were asking. We've definitely been paying attention to what the charities were saying What and we've been asking them, you know, what do you need, what would help you be successful? And so we make sure that we, we ask, first of all, we pay attention and then we do something about it. So we've been adding these features um, sort of organically through the feedback from nonprofits and charities.
0: That's wonderful. Um, The other thing I'd love to to ask you is, this might be a misconception on my part, but are most of the campaigns that you've run so far in Canada or is this a platform that's open internationally? Anyone could do a campaign.
1: So right now, most of the campaigns on our platform have been Canadian, um, but anyone can contribute from anywhere, of course. Um, But we are open. Right now, we're only operating in Canadian dollars, but that'll be changing soon.
0: Okay. So at the moment, you can only do it if uh, we're a resident of Canada, um, but we can donate for any campaign.
1: Okay, you, could, you can donate from anywhere in the world, but right now, for example, the charitable tax receipts are only available for Canadian charities, but that'll be changing soon.
0: Okay. Makes very much sense. Um, the last question I would like to ask you is, where do you see the online giving industry going from here? And be- before you dive into that, I just wanted to preface this uh, with one other question. Do, we, do you think we're going to be seeing any more traction in the mobile space? Just because I think um, so many of the campaigns have been getting supporters from visitors who seem to be more familiar or more comfortable with you know, laptops and browsing online, uh, but not as much from the from mobile and smartphone giving.
1: Sure. <laughs> Well, right now, I mean, you can use a a mobile device and use our platform and create a campaign and contribute. It's just obviously on a much smaller screen. Um, We don't have SMS texting uh, donations incorporated into our into our platform, Um, but I think you know the way that online giving is is moving. It's just a natural evolution of things. I mean, nobody wants the piece of direct mail anymore. Um, You know, and I think there's been times where I've donated to something and then I'll receive mail from, from that charity for years and years after that, even though I've only given once. Um, it's sort of a waste of paper and it's a uh, waste a waste of, a waste of um, money, really. So I think you know as with most things, we're, we're seeing things happen more and more online and especially with social media, the fact that you can now share things a lot easier with people and get the word out um, to a larger group is it's, it's you know it's perfect for online.
0: With, with um, just piggybacking off of what you said there, the other component that I've been noticing, at least with my Facebook feeds, is whereas a lot of videos used to be in the YouTube format, it seems like more and more people are uploading videos directly to Facebook. Um, have you guys noticed that at all when you're helping people run these fundraising campaigns to suggest them to do videos on Facebook at all?
1: um for the main video not so much I think providing video updates via social media is always a nice way to do to you know stay in contact with people um you know people people like video content you know that's what uh they don't have to read anything and then you can sort of inject a lot of personality into that um I'm not sure I've seen a trend necessarily but I, I can see how uploading a video to Facebook takes less work than uploading it to youtube Especially if you don't have your own channel.
0: Interesting, very interesting. Well, awesome. Um, you know, I'm really excited to to watch your your guys's progress, and I look forward to also when um, more fundraisers outside of the you know Canadian region can also engage on your platform. But you guys have a lot of resources, a lot of things that people can take advantage of on your platform, which I really like. Well, thank <laughs> so, you. And also uh, that other domain I wanted to plug again: um, howtocrowdfund.org. Is that sort of your education resource?
1: Exactly, yeah. That's um, where we sort of curated a whole bunch of content and resources from, um, and we're not platform specific, so we share things, all things crowdfunding. Um, you know, we get a lot of the same questions, and there's a lot of great content out there um, to help people uh, be more successful at crowdfunding in general. So, yeah, that's a place you can go to. Uh, Rose Spinelli actually does some work on there as well. And uh, it's a place you can go to sort of find out all things crowdfunding. Great. That's awesome. And thank you
0: for also uh, coming on this podcast and putting out even more education out there for people. I'll I'll let you have the last word here. Um, People that are interested in Raise Hope, should they go to your website? Should they contact you on Twitter? What's the best way if someone's interested in running a fundraising campaign to get in contact with you guys?
1: We're always uh, staying on top of our Twitter uh, account. For sure, they can go there. But definitely, raisehope.org is the place to go. And there's tons of areas um, with more information about all the benefits, uh, a way to contact us. We're reachable by phone and by email. Um, And people can create campaigns at any time by just clicking on Create Campaign.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Sabrina. I uh, look forward to, to watching your guys' progress. And I'm definitely, I'm well excited about the, the revolution I think is going on in online giving.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nonprofit and Charity Fundraising Podcast, put on by CrowdCrux.com. If you'd like the show notes, you can just go to CrowdCrux.com and uh, you'll see this podcast among many of our other articles out there. And please take a second, if you do have you know, five minutes of your day, please take a second to rate this podcast on iTunes. It helps more people view our content. It shows uh, that you really like what we're doing, and you can do more of it. Um, that, that's really the, the key takeaway here. So thank you for listening to this episode, and I uh, look forward to connecting with you guys on our next episode. which We have a really exciting interview here, and I can't wait to tell you guys about it. So stay tuned.